0: morning we're gonna talk about why Um, and we're not going to talk about it in terms of Jesus why aren't you doing this or why didn't this happen we're not going to talk about it in that terms we're going to talk about it in the terms of our why why we believe Uh, why are we committed to Jesus Why do we obey? We're going to talk about it in terms of our whys. Uh, I always tell people when they ask me, uh, why is this happening? I always tell them, why is not usually a question I go to with Jesus. Uh, Because when I begin to ask Jesus, why is this not happening? Or why is this happening? I find myself getting trapped in a uh, trying to figure out who God is instead of trying to press into what God has. And there is a difference there. Why sometimes we'll get you in a spin that you can't get out of. So I don't ask why uh, anymore, but we are going to ask ourselves why. Why is it we believe in Jesus? Why do we believe in Jesus? Why do I believe what I believe? I believe that this is a time right now, a season right now, where God is challenging us to believe what the word says, not what we think the word says. I hear a lot of thinking what the Word says. I've had things where I thought the Word said this, and then there's been a revelation, a a teaching of the Holy Spirit that taught me that's not actually what it says. But it's mixed in with what I thought and what I've been taught. So we struggle sometimes with what we think and what we're taught when we realize it's not actually God. So we're going to talk a little bit about that and then we're going to talk a little bit about why I obey. And uh you know Jesus has the answers to all these things. What well, what we should be responding to, but we're we're just going to talk through it a little bit. I've been reading through the gospels this week, the gospels of John actually. And uh and been doing the 10-day focus that Pastor Karen's been putting out. Have y'all getting that? It's really good. It's really good. I'm like, "Hmm. Let me ponder a little on that. But I've been reading through that and, and just trying. And you know, what's really caught my eye is how he responds to people who ask him questions. You know, you ever notice when you read the Gospels, you realize when, G- when they ask Jesus a question, he usually does not answer their question. He tells them what they're really thinking or what they should be believing, but he usually doesn't say, oh, let me just give you a quick answer to that. No, he he, rarely does he actually answer their question. And as I was kind of reading through it and thinking about what do the people think when they hear what he says to them, when they ask them something completely different, you're thinking, that's not actually what I asked, but what you said is actually what I needed. You know what I need, Lord. So we're just going to meander through the scriptures a little bit and and talk about... We're going to start in John. We're going to start John um, one thirty-five. You know, people were talking about Friday night, and uh, we did have a pretty amazing time Friday night, but Sharon had said, you know, no matter how tired I was, I was still going to come. Well, it was interesting because I was not feeling good on Friday, so I took a nap for a couple hours. And when we got here about five, I told Chuck, I said, we may just have to go back home. And it wasn't that um, I was sick. I just felt drained. I said, we may have to go back home. You know, I may have to phone in, tell Gene I got to go home. (laughs) Gene looks at me. He's like, we never call in. We never call in.
1: No, it's not
0: allowed. (laughs) We're not allowed to call in. (laughs) But, uh. But, you know, once it got started, I still didn't feel any better. And I'm just like, I'm just going to worship through it. I was just drained. I couldn't figure out why. So I'm worshiping, worshiping. I get one phrase. This kind of goes to, why do you obey? I get one scripture. And the Lord just gives me the physical scripture. It's not like I knew it. I I had to look up to see what the scripture actually said. I didn't know what it said. Uh, So that's just a disclaimer I don't know every verse in the Bible by call letter and by that. Now, I've known people who do that, who who can just, I knew one guy who knew all the Psalms. He could quote it word for word, every Psalm, verse by verse. Uh, But um, as Kathy says, my mind doesn't quite work that way. So I get one, one verse and I look at Gene, I said, do you have anything? He says, what do you have? I gave him one verse. He says, oh, I got something to go with it. I'm like, okay. And isn't that how, you know, we're sitting here barely hanging on. It's Friday night. <laughs> you know how Friday nights can be sometimes. We are barely hanging on. And so I get up and I was like, this is all I got. I read the scripture, John 5, 6. Uh, Do you want to be made well? Then then we worship, well, Gene has his part. Gene sends us praying for each other. And I hear Matt praying. And I know that the part that Matt is praying was for us. So, um. Matt, I say, Matt, I need for you to come up and pray that. But it was a prayer of strengthening. And there was something about that prayer of strengthening that just released an impartation to me that was able to, like that song said, he set me up on my feet so I could actually do something. And so then the next part came. So it's funny how, you know, why do we obey? Because we want to see Jesus come alive in whatever our situation is but why do we obey? Sometimes we don't understand why we obey. I mean, I've got nothing but a verse and I'm sure he's going to do something with it. Gene's like, well, I can do something with it because God gave me the second part. Matt's like, I didn't volunteer to do something with it, but I got voluntold, so I'm going to do my part. (laughs) So then you can do your part. And it's interesting we all obey because it all fits together in the bigger plan. Right. It might not be a Friday night service where four of us have four different parts, but it's, it's the part of the kingdom that makes it all work together because you obeyed, because you obeyed, because you obeyed. And in your circumstances, that obedience brings the kingdom of God into the next level for the situation that we're in. And That's not even the beginning of this. So... Okay, John John 1, 35. So, um, you know, John the Baptist has has declared the Lamb of God has come. It says, again, the next day John stood with the two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked. He said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned, seeking them, following, said to them, what do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and remained with him that day. Now it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his uh, I'm sorry. He first found his own brother Simon, and he said to him, We have found the Messiah. So why did Andrew believe? If you go back and read the the beginning part of that story, he had seen with his eyes, he had heard with his ears, and his heart jumped when the Messiah came. So he had had an encounter with Jesus, not even realizing, because when we say we have an encounter with Jesus, you know, there's 2,000 plus years worth of history that people understand what that means. But but Andrew is having a, you know, like a first off experience. And he knew that Jesus was the Messiah. He tells his brother, we have found the Messiah. Think about when you had your first awakening and you thought jesus is messiah jesus is messiah why did you believe was it a you heard by the hearing of the word you heard someone did someone share a testimony like andrew shared with peter we found i found the messiah You know, as we think about why we believe that first step of believing, what it does is it builds the foundation and reminds us of the testimony of why we encounter God. And, you know, it's so important. I'm teaching a class called Spirit Led Preaching. I've mentioned it a couple of times, but one of the things we're working on is making sure we know our testimony. Making sure that when we encounter people, we can give them the testimony and we don't have to give them our whole life history, but you know, God will pick a piece of our testimony to share with them. And one of the things we have to do is know what our testimony is. We have to know once I was lost and then I was found and Jesus saved me. We have to know the details of that so we can share that with other people because Our experience, our testimony is part of the draw of people into Jesus because they hear what Jesus has done for you and it stirs a hunger in them to figure out who is this Jesus and what is he doing for you and can he possibly do that for me? So we have to understand the why we chose Jesus. Why? We said, yes, Uh, there was a, uh, one of the young kids that grew up in our neighborhood. He went out and did some mission work and he went to Nepal and he came back and was sharing with everybody about, you know, uh, his experience and all that. And he said, you know, when I went to Nepal, it was easy to get people to accept Jesus because it's just one more God in their pocket because they have so many gods. And when you think about that phrase, of they have so many gods in their pocket, it's just one more. We have to understand, is Jesus our only God in our pocket, so to speak? Is he the one that we can testify to that completely transformed our life? And what is that testimony? Our testimony is one of the most important things that we can do is share what God has done in our life. And I always tell people, you know, there's what they call in business, a a 30 second elevator pitch. When you get in an elevator, you've got to be able to tell people your business in 30 seconds, because that's about all you have. So what is your 30 second Jesus pitch to tell them what he has done for you and what he can do for them? I and mean, that may sound crass, but just think about it. You know, we have to prep ourselves in this season to be able to say, you know, this is where I was and this is what God has done. Okay. Yay. Well, I mean, it's a serious thought process to go through. And, you know, you don't always have 30 minutes to sit down with a cup of coffee or you don't have an hour. Sometimes you have just that that brief encounter at the grocery store or with the lady in the parking lot or, you know, with the people at uh, Mission Out Hope or uh, Mission Hope or wherever you are. Sometimes you have about a minute or two minutes to bring them into an encounter with God because what God has done for us. So let's turn to uh, John four thirty nine. Uh, I love this story. And we're just going to go through John and just read a few few scriptures. Um, 439, this is the whole encounter with the uh, woman at the well. But in verse 39, it's interesting part. It says, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. So there will be people who will believe in Jesus because of your testimony. How many met Jesus because of someone else's testimony? A few people, yeah. So uh because of the word of the woman had testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritan had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there for two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said. For we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. So some believed because of her testimony, but some believed because they had their own encounter with the Word of God to bring them into salvation. Amen. To bring them into salvation. Um, how many had an encounter with God that brought them into salvation? So th- some through testimony of others that led them into salvation, which led them into a counter. You know, when you get saved, that is the encounter of God. Um, I had one person, they uh, were, it, it was someone who was uh, actually a, a, a pastor. And he says, I can't hear God speak. You know, I can't hear God speak. And um, we were just kind of praying through that and all that. And I said, Are you saved? And they were like, yeah. I said, well, then you heard God speak. Because if you've given your life to Jesus, you've heard the call on your life in order to encounter the living Christ. I know when I was nine, I encountered Jesus at, at camp and I had a real encounter with him and gave my life to him. But I really knew Jesus as Savior. And uh, I was brought up Baptist and that's what we knew. Jesus is Savior. We got saved every week. Every week. If we did anything bad between Sunday to Sunday, we just hope we didn't die because we knew we weren't saved until we got back to be saved again. And I know that's not biblical, but that's, as a child, that's what I understood. Whether that was what I was taught or not maybe something different. But that's the way my little mind interpreted it. And then I had the revelation that, uh, it's, it's the transforming work. We're working out our salvation. We're always moving toward uh, a more perfected way with Jesus. But as a kid, man, that altar was a clear path, not only to bring church to an end because someone had to go. <laughs> Did anybody grow up a church where if, if nobody went, nobody's leaving? So somebody has to go. Not only that, so that would bring church to a close, but also... We just had to make sure that whatever we did bad, hitting each other, siblings, I had five, you know, there were five of us or whatever we did uh, was taken care of. So we would make it to the next Sunday because we knew there was going to be problems in between Sunday to Sunday. We knew there were going to be problems. But, you know, that kind of thing, you have to unlearn. You have to deprogram that in as your thought life. Because that's what you were taught, and you have to get that out in order to get what truth is in, but yeah, it was it was funny. I used to uh really work on getting saved, really work on getting saved. Am I there yet? I don't know what is it? I was listening to somebody, I think it was Bill Johnson or Chris Balton. he says we're going to have a born again born again experience today. <laughs> born again, born again experience today. But you know, it's interesting because we in our, you know, in our walk with Jesus, it's always growing. It's always, you know, you're always learning. You're always adding something to your toolbox that you understand to your relationship that you really are in that place with him. And you, and you know, one of the things, and I have, I know I've shared this before, but one of the things I went through at some point in my Probably early 30s, mid 30s, something like that. Uh, you know, I had been in church, had done church, I'd been Baptist, I'd been Presbyterian, uh, I went, you know, I'd been everything. And I was devoted to Jesus, but I didn't feel like I knew, really knew him. I knew who he was, I knew what he did, I knew all that. But I didn't feel like I just, I needed something more. And I, I told Jesus, I said, you're going to have to show up or I may give up. Because I've got to have something more. And I don't think I would have given up, but I think I was so desperate to have the more of God. And that's how I feel now. I feel, and he did show up. He, I mean, in a, in a very physical way. But I feel like that's where we are as a body of Christ now. We are looking for more we love the now and what we have, but we know that there is a promise of more yes. and we are hungry for the more. Even Saturday morning after Friday night, I was telling the Lord, I said, you know, we, we did what we were obedient to what we felt like God called us to do. Uh, <clears throat> what the result was. I don't know. I just know I was obedient. Jean was obedient. Matt was obedient. You know, we were obedient to what we were called to do. Everybody was obedient, engaging, but I told the Lord, I said, I feel like I need some teaching. I feel like I need the Holy Spirit to teach me the more, the plus. You know, we did what we did Friday night. We'll come together Sunday morning. Uh, we, you know, gave somebody a ride home, whatever. But uh, I feel like there's some revelation, some some wisdom and knowledge that God's wanting to release and impart into us and, and bring us into a more in Him, a more of a relationship, a more of a solution giver, uh, just a more uh, of a carrier of His presence. I don't, I don't really know, but I feel like there's. We're in a season where we can be sponges to soak it all up, or or we can be a piece of wood that doesn't get anything, just gets wet and rots. Okay, let's go back to our sermon. Uh, John 6, and I'm going to start in verse 60, because I want to talk about, a little bit about this. Because when the why gets hard, what do we do? Do we press in or do we pull back? Because when the why of God gets hard, let me read the scripture, verse 60. Uh, he's gone through this whole thing about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And uh, it says, therefore, many of the disciples, when they heard this, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? How many have things in scripture they don't understand? I mean, there's things we don't have it all figured out. Who, who knows when God's coming, but when Jesus is coming back, nobody, I can tell you there. If you Google on the internet, there's quite a few answers for you. There are answers for you, but God's word says that no one knows. So there's things we don't know. How many of you are looking for an answer and haven't gotten it yet, but we don't understand why, but we trust God to do what he's going to do. There are things we just don't know. There are things we just don't know. Not everything's explained in the Bible. Amen. Yeah. And when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this. Now, when you read the first Uh, Verse 60, it looks like they're just asking a question, but Jesus said they were complaining. He said to them, does this offend you? Do the things we don't understand offend us? Do the things we don't understand cause us to pull back? Do the things we don't understand cause us to say, okay, Jesus, I'm just going to pump the brakes right now. I've got all I can understand, and I'm not willing to step into what's next. You look at the body of Christ, and you will see a large percentage who have gotten their happy place with Jesus, and they're not willing to go past the offense of learning something new in order to move to the next place with God. We don't want to stop at our happy place. We want to let the word offend us if it's going to transform us. If we can't figure it out, that means that the Holy Spirit's going to do some teaching with us. He's going to train us. It says that he brings the mysteries of God to us. Even Jesus said to the disciples, you know the mysteries that other people don't know. We know things that people don't, other people don't know. We know things that each other don't know. That's the reason we're a body. But if we get offended by the word and move into that place where Jesus is Lord, born of a virgin, died, resurrected, ascended, dropped the Holy Spirit on us, I'm good there. We got to go more. We got to go past the basics. We have to dig into the deep. And then when we go to the deep, we got to dig into the deeper. And then when we go to the deeper, we got to go for the deeper, deeper. We can't quit pressing into the fullness of God and be offended by the word because we don't understand it. On the other flip side of that, we can't be offended by the body Because they didn't understand it. Or because they said the wrong thing. Or because they hurt my feelings. We've got to get over this offense because the enemy uses it as a stumbling stone for the body of Christ in the growing in their body life. We can't be one if we're all offended at each other. It's hard to be one if half of us offended are each other. And it's easy to get offended because what happens we're not willing to confront. You know, I was talking to someone and they were having a little challenge at at their church and um, we were talking about, you know, what do you do? You know, you go to them. If they don't want to meet with you, then you take someone with you, et cetera, et cetera. The problem is, is we don't want to go. It's easier for us to say, well, you know, that's their issue. Well, if you're having an issue with their issue, then it's your issue too. If you're offended and withdrawn and not wanting to talk to them, then it's definitely your issue too. And we've got to break the stronghold of offense over us. And it's easy. We get offended at everything now. We're offended at CNN. We're offended at Fox. We're offended at, what's it called? Epoch. We're offended at anything that has news, we're offended at. We we're offended at Twitter when they threw Trump off, and then we weren't offended when Elon Musk bought it because he let Trump back on And so now we're not offended, but now we're going to be offended because now he's going to let something else happen. There's nothing Jesus in that. We don't care. They can do what they want, but as a body, we're called not to be offended. As a body, we're called not to tear down Other organizations, other people, because we are offended, we're called to pray. And if we can't make a difference in that organization, then we need to lock our lips and pray. We got to let it go. Offense is going to kill us. Offense of the word will stop our relationship. Offense of each other will stop body life. Offense of our neighbors will stop the one commandment that Jesus gave us to love him and to love our neighbors, the offense has got to be dropped. It's got to be dropped. And I I think that being offended by the word is something we've really got to ask the Lord. Have I found offense in your word because it doesn't fit with the way I think it should work? And you know if you've had offense with each other because, you know, because if you had, it's still nagging you. Every once in a while, it'll pop up, and you'll be like, Yeah. But we got to ask God Is there a place in the Word that has stopped my growth because I've got offended because either I don't understand or it didn't work the way I was supposed to? I thought it would work. Help my offense, Lord. Train me. Push me. When it gets hard, push me over the hump so that I can go deeper with you. Amen. Okay, John 9. And this will kind of be our last area we're going to focus on. What do we do when it costs us everything? When our why costs us everything? When why we believe in Jesus costs us everything? And why we obey costs us everything? What do we do when it costs us everything? John 9, we'll start in verse 1. It says, uh, now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth and his disciples ask him saying rabbi who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind and Jesus answered neither this man nor his parents sinned but that the works of god should be revealed in him i must work the works of him who sent me while it's day the night is coming when no one can work as long as i'm in the world i am the light of the world so he has this discourse with his disciples in verse 6 he says When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with saliva. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay. Have you all tried that on anybody? (laughs) Say, I'm willing. (laughs) Well, you know, when you think about it, you've got this stranger coming up to you. You can't see him because you're blind. All you can hear is the... (laughs) 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 And that was you know, part of the uh, uh, disregard of him as a human in in that time. And he said to him, go wash in in the pool of Siloam, which is translated scent. So he went and washed and he came back seeing. So this guy is, he can see. And everybody has an opinion about his sight. Are you really the guy who's been blind since birth? Yes, I'm him. You know, it goes back and forth. The Pharisees questioned him. Verse 13, um, they brought him who, who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Now, it was the Sabbath, which we all know that that was a big issue then when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also asked him again, how had he received his sight? He said to them, he put clay in my eyes. And I washed and I see. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. So it had nothing to do with him being healed, it had to do with him not following the rules. Others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was division among them. We know that there's division among uh, among us when we have a preconceived notion of what is going to occur and God does something else and then we have to fight over who's right. I was watching a video of someone who was explaining uh, the difference between all the different streams from Pentecostal to this to that the other. It was it was interesting to watch. Um, it was very interesting to watch. And uh, there were places where I definitely could have been offended because our stream was part of it too. And and it wasn't really meant for an offense. It was just meant for, you know, descriptives. But uh, I got through listening to it and I thought, you know, if we could keep Jesus as Jesus and him as our main focus and the works that he does as our celebration of who He is and His demonstration of the Father, then some of the argument around us would probably fall dead to the ground. It would probably, but the challenge we have is we're so pre-programmed that Jesus is this way, this way, this way, or this way, and when your this way doesn't line up with my this way, there's the clash of the titans right there. You know, when you think about it, we're pre-programmed in our streams, whether it's, you know, whatever stream it is, it doesn't make any difference. We're pre-programmed to react against something that doesn't agree with our programming. (laughs) 17, it says, then they said to the blind man again, what did you say about him because he opened your eyes? He said, he is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received a sight. It's funny because it was a small town. I mean, it wasn't, like there, it wasn't like downtown Tampa. It wasn't like there were a million plus people there. This is a small town. They knew all the people. They knew he had been blind since birth. He's told them twice what happened, and they don't believe him. So I can see, I am not begging on the street anymore. I can see, this is what happened. Let me tell you again what happened. Okay, we're going to go get your parents. Yeah. I'm 38 years old. Go get my parents. It sounds like my son. I'll come up, I'll say, blah, 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 blah. He goes, you know, Mom, there was this little, I'll just dump for me. That, Tell me if you feel this way. There's this little meme and it says, uh, my parents getting on a plane to see me when I didn't return them call, their call within two days, right? <laughs> I mean, that's how you feel. You know, you're just like, I'm, I'm going to... So they're like, we don't believe you, so we're going to go get your parents. <laughs> their parents are like, what are you talking about? Go ask him, he's an adult. But what's so interesting, it cost him everything to believe the miracle that he was carrying among in his own body. It cost him everything. In fact, he goes on to give a theological dissertation to the Pharisees to help them understand what happened. Look at verse 31. I love this. He says, um, oh, let's start with verse 30. The man answered and said to them, Why this is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he's from, uh, where he is from yet. He has opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, then he hears since the world began. It is unheard of that. Anyone open the eyes of the one who was born blind. If this man were not coming from God, he couldn't do it. (laughs) They answered and said to him, you were completely born in sin. Are you teaching us? This is unlearned. Been blind since birth. You know basically was, you know, the destitute of of the of the community. And he's like, "I don't get it. I may not know much, but I do know. This is what I do know. Why don't you know this?" So because he brought truth into their lie, they made him leave and excommunicated him. Sometimes our why to believe, our why to obey will cost us everything. It will cost us the people around us. It will cost us positions. It will cost us everything. Because the people who hear what we 're sharing hearts are hard toward Jesus, yeah. and I always say you can't make anyone have a revelation of Jesus you can't make anyone have the aha. all you can do is share what God shared what is God has done for you, and allow the word, the testimony to invite them into their own relationship with Jesus. Even in doctrinal disagreements, you are not going to debate someone into agreeing with you. And no one's going to probably debate you into agreeing with them. You've got to have the revelation. When you're challenged in what you believe, you have to make sure that what you believe, God isn't using that challenge to make you go back and reconfirm what you know. And let me just say this when you reconfirm with the attitude that you know what you say is right, then you'll never have the revelation of correction by the Holy Spirit. Because you've already decided that you're going to read the word that will agree with what you already think. I have had people do that to me. They've explained to me their position, and they've read the word and in, in, in proof text it in something that does not actually agree with what they believe. But because they believe so strongly that what they're reading, they make it say that. So you have to make sure that what you believe is from the word. And I'm not saying everything you believe is not from the word. I'm just saying that if you get that little nudge, go back and say, Holy Spirit, open my eyes as I read. And if there's something that needs to be tweaked, tweak it in me. So after, you know, the blind man goes through all of this, he encounters Jesus again. Verse 35, it says, Jesus heard that they cast him out. And when he found him, he said to him, do you believe in the son of God? And he answered and said, who is he, Lord, that I might believe? So he's had someone that opened his eyes that he didn't actually know who he was. And now he's had an experience that's about to have a revelation come with it. And Jesus said to him, you have both seen him and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. So he had the miracle. Then he had the revelation. And the Pharisees didn't have either one. They were offered the revelation first but they chose to get so hung up on the law what they believed that they couldn't see. They were spiritually blind to Jesus. And you know we think well, good thing we're not like them. But honestly, there are a lot of things that we've been spiritually blind to. And we're just like, Jesus, open our eyes. Amen. Open our eyes, because I don't want to be blind to what what you're doing. Um, anyway, so it's, God is good. God is good. So uh, I think that's really all I have to say. I was just thinking about this. I, I really want us to understand our whys. Uh, not what not what the wise are of God, but understand our wise and be ready in any moment to be able to share our testimony, to be able to lead people to Christ, to be able to help them bridge over and uh, get rid of any offense we have with the Word, any offense we have with one another. And allow the miracles and the revelations to really just reign in our life. Chuck had seen a little vision this morning as we were praying about just Jesus standing up here just dripping. And it's like when you're soaking wet, how it just drips off you. And he said, I I didn't see water dripping off. What I saw was gold dripping off. Just the the revelation, the beauty of God. And that's that's where he's taken us. He's taken us into a revelatory season to um, refine us, to tune us up and to get us in a position where we are just glowing like Him. Amen? Amen. 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 Well, let's stand. We'll pray for a minute. And I have to get that man out of my mouth. Hmm. Okay. So, Father, we just thank You that, uh, oh, Lord, we just thank You we thank you that your word not only enlightens us, it heals us, it transforms us, it it connects our heart to your heart, that we love your word. And if there's any offense in anything we've read in the word because we don't understand, God, just highlight it. Help us to release that so we can be free to read your word with clarity. And release any offense we have toward one another, Lord. Even if it's someone we have to call or send a text to, Lord, we want freedom. God, it, it's just like, um, you know, that that song we sang, Hell lost another one, I am free. Hell's not going to own uh, an offense that keeps me in bondage. I am free, Jesus, I am free. And so, Lord, we want to put down the laws of the world and grab a hold the life of the word. So just teach us. We we have teachable hearts, Lord, and we want to be taught. We want to receive the revelation you have for us. We want wisdom and clarity as we go forward. And Lord, we want to be able to declare our testimony in in a way uh, that not only glorifies you, but draws in the heart of people that you have prepared to hear. So Father, just thank you that we have a testimony unto you. And we thank you that Jesus Christ has paid for our sins, has set us free, has purchased eternity for us. And Lord, we just thank you that your spirit dwells in us so that we can go free. um, And that scripture out of Luke, freely we have received, freely we give in Jesus name. Amen. Thanks for joining us today.